Imagine if medicine actually looked at you as a whole, opposed to looking at you as a bunch of separate systems. Dive into Integrative Wellness Radio with Dr. Nick and Dr. Nicole to learn more about the top trends in integrative medicine, to learn about what the limitations are with testing and what you can do to start your health journey. Hi, everyone. So tonight, uh, we are talking about how to transform your food into medicine, but also how food could be anti-medicine. So get ready because you know that we love to throw stuff at you that you're just like, what? Like, holy crap, I didn't know that. And uh, we are here to really address the biggest things that you guys are confused around food and nutrition. But of course, we're going to be circling this back to really understanding the big picture as to why you may have hit plateaus in your nutrition journey as well. So there is a lot of confusion navigating everything from superfoods, things to throw in your smoothies, uh, you know, what the heck to buy and what do the ingredients mean? So we're giving you some of our top things that we really love. All right, guys. So because we love to talk, or at least I do, um, if you are new to us and our practice, I am Dr. Nicole. I'm Grace. (laughs) So we work side by side here at Integrated Wellness Group. We do a lot of amazing things here, and I'm definitely going to fill you in on what those things are. But tonight, we're really focused on a big part of what we do, which is focused around nutrition, because it's super, super important. But we both know that there is a ton of misconceptions around it. And I would say one thing that I want you guys to take away from this is that we're not going to sit here and talk about an elimination diet. We're not going to talk about, you know, your traditional keto diet or paleo and how everybody needs to do the same thing. We're going to help you understand, you know, what a diet should look like and how it should be used as a tool and also how your life should not be about elimination and deprivation. Yeah, because that is is key. It's that it's all about balance. And that brings us to things we're going to talk about tonight (laughs) is how many things that are allowed to be sold on the market and how many things that are in the foods that we're eating that are deemed chemicals or carcinogenic. So get ready, people. Hold on to your seats. You know, for me, one of the reasons that we have evolved into who we are now is partly because I was very frustrated with nutrition. And and what I mean by that is when I started to get into this world and I started to understand, you know, functional and integrative medicine, there was a lot of the same information circulating. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was eliminate this, eliminate that, anti-inflammatory, detox foods, you know, juice, smoothie, kale, this, that, yeah. and For me, I grew up in a family, we're Italian, so of course we grew up with not necessarily the healthiest foods, but everything that we did was quality time was around food. And when I started to eliminate and really deprive myself, I was missing out on things that were really important to me from a values perspective. And I just was like, there has to be more, there has to be a better way to go about this, that there can be balance and that I'm not not always cutting things out. And that kept me really trying to evolve and understand the deeper rootedness of what it looks like to heal 
And it wasn't just about removing things out of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that from a similar standpoint, my journey was a little different because I was always in pain. And as an athlete growing up, being in chronic pain that I couldn't describe, whether it was structural or whether it was more anatomical, was difficult as a kid and as Mm -hmm. like a young adult to talk about. And so my that led me to nutrition and it led me to elimination diets and it led me eventually to eating more plants and understanding food. And even though I went down the more traditional route to begin with, it got me to where I am today. So it got me to this level of understanding integrative health and functional medicine. A hundred percent. Disclaimer for you guys is that, listen, we know that some of you are here because you have hit a plateau with changing your diet. We know that you maybe have hit a plateau working with an integrative or functional practitioner or conventional medicine. So just understand that we are navigating a massive, massive sea of conflicting information. And we are also navigating information that's saying that everyone should be keto, paleo, vegan, and really understanding that it's not about being one thing or another. It's about using food as a as a leverage point as a tool to really help to balance your body and then it's really getting back into understanding like what is truly good and nutritious so don't beat yourself up if you have not been able to reach your health goals just yet because again there's so much conflicting information and you don't know what you don't know if you haven't really figured out like what is the root of your issues, then you might be, you know, falling flat because you're not doing what your body really needs. So one of the biggest foundational things that I want to really set the stage essentially is that when we're talking about things tonight, there's a lot of people that will say to us in practice and they're like, why have I never heard this before? Why doesn't every doctor talk about this? Or why don't, you know, doctors do this type of testing? And I want you to understand that foundationally medicine is, is segregated. So we have, you know, our cardiologists, our gastroenterologists, our nephrologists, our neurologists, and everything is separate. But unfortunately, that is ignoring basic physiology. Because if we use the simplest example that the majority of your serotonin, which is your feel-good hormone, is made in your gut... So you could easily be dealing with depression, but also dealing with irritable bowel syndrome. But unfortunately, you're either going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but then you're also going to a gastroenterologist and nobody's talking to each other. So when you're looking at the body from an integrative standpoint, you're able to find the root cause because you are considering basic physiology. Yeah. And that's going back to what you said also about asking better questions. And I think that patients and, um, you mean our interrogation, (laughs) our consultation is like an interrogation. And people people will sit there and and the best is when there's more than one patient, like they have a family member and they're just like, how did you do that? And it's like, well, we're just, it's, it's simple. You're just asking better questions. Yeah. And we're asking the same question in four different ways. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Very layered, like an onion. Um, so you know, how many of you have changed your diet and you, you're the all or nothing person. You did everything you were supposed to do. And, you know, you woke up, you did the juice, then you did the smoothie, you ate the plants and, you know, you gave up X, Y, and Z and you were gluten-free and dairy-free and you hit the plateau. Mm-hmm. Because I can think of what, how many patients have, I mean, have that yeah. situation? Patients, friends, family. It's like everyone you speak to, I think, has experienced that, whether they're 
doing an exercise routine on top of a diet and sticking to it so well and not meeting even in within an inch of their goal, not meeting it anywhere near that. Yeah. And we hear this over and over and over again, which is one of the types of things we kind of love to see in our practice because it means that we can actually dig a lot deeper and figure out what's yeah. going on. But at the same time, we can also understand your frustration. Yeah. And this is not always about the food. Sometimes it is about what's in the food. So that's something that we're going to talk about today because there are so many more chemicals than you realize on your food. And this is why this statement here is so important because it's not always about what you eat, but sometimes it is about the quality of what you are eating. And this is going to make more sense in the next few minutes. So one of our biggest things that we say to everyone is we're here to help you understand you don't know what you don't know. Because conventional testing is not looking for toxicity, and it is often having limitations on looking for even infections that can come into the body via the food. So this is very, very important to understand. And you need to stop saying, I feel this way because I'm getting old. (laughs) Because listen, I know that most of you have the situation of, I used to be able to drink the bottle of wine and I felt fine. I could wake up the next day and go to work. But now I literally have one glass of wine and I'm I'm hungover for three days. So what you need to understand about that is that's not getting old. That is an overloaded liver. And I'm not saying your liver is just overloaded from, uh, from alcohol. It's overloaded from medications, Tylenol, ibuprofen, uh, toxicity from everything from heavy metals, pesticides on the food, the list goes on. So understanding that your body is extremely resilient, but sometimes it needs a little love and a little strategy to be able to unclog the pathways. Right. Yeah. Okay, guys. So myth number one, (laughs) diets are forever and there are no long-term effects from the same diet. So (laughs) yeah, I have to take a deep breath there. So I think that a lot of times when we do our testing and patients get results, what the first thing they ask me a lot of the time is, will I have to do this forever? Mm -hmm. And that's, you have to try to shift the mindset is what I do first, because you don't want to go into it with negative thought process. But I can also understand if we're making shifts. So from the way you always ate and foods that may comfort you emotionally when you're stressed and what may have you, you may be a little like put off or challenged by changing that and not wanting to do it forever. So no, there is no diet that's forever. There are stylistic ways of eating that can be long lasting once you put in the work and realize what is actually going to benefit your body for a condensed period of time until we continue making changes. Yeah. But also too, it's like one of the biggest things that we see coming through our doors is like a blood sugar crisis. And one thing that you guys should definitely listen right now, because when you have a blood sugar crisis, this doesn't mean pre-diabetic or diabetic, or even if you're seeing these things in your blood work, what you might be dealing with is you wake up, you're not hungry, you drink coffee, it suppresses your appetite, then you're starving, and now you automatically grab for carbs in the middle of the day. Maybe it's a sandwich, maybe it's pizza, maybe it's a sushi roll, which has way more rice in it than you realize. And then you get to dinner and you eat your dinner and now you want something sweet after dinner. I tell most people that scenario and they're like, that is me. 
So when we have this situation, we are then helping someone to customize their diet to balance their blood sugar. But once that is corrected, now they go back to a more balanced diet. So we're using a diet as a strategy or as a tool. And when we have individuals that come in and they're like, they've been keto, let's say for three years and keto, you know, there's all different versions of keto, by the way. So we have some individuals that they're eating a bacon cheeseburger, no bread. Mm-hmm. And then we see what in completely overloaded gallbladder. Yeah. And they can't function. They have pain in different parts of their body yeah. that they're not connecting to anything else to what they're eating even. Yeah. And I've had that. And then I've had the keto person who's doing it with coconut and overloading um, all other systems as well and not eating any vegetables yeah. and not eating any fiber. So then their gut is a wreck yep. and they can't go to the bathroom or have a normal day because they're not having any fiber, which we'll get to as well, but they're keto. So it's fine. Yeah. So I love that somebody just asked about intermittent fasting because this is like the perfect time to Mm -hmm. circle this in because, and I am so unbelievably guilty about this. So I had terrible blood sugar. I was never hungry in the morning. If anything, I was like, Oh, like can't even look at food. So I'd wake up, I usually had coffee, My, I could go till two o'clock and not eat. So then intermittent fasting became a thing. And I was like, Oh, I, well, I'm intermittent fasting, you know, that's healthy. And this is the issue is that intermittent fasting should be leveraged two days a week, three days max. And once you get beyond that, now your body is actually getting confused because we all think that we've evolved genetically, but in reality, we have, we're, we're, our genes are still hunter gatherer. So if you are not eating, then your body is preparing for a famine. So now it's storing more fat. And now you start to compromise your metabolism. So just understanding that again, there's a lot of mixed information out there and you need to be able to know how to leverage something like intermittent fasting, but doing it in a proper way. Yeah. And also too, it's like your diet should change upon reaching your goal. So like we said, is if a patient comes in and they're in a blood sugar crisis, we're going to leverage something to balance that. And then once that's corrected, now we're moving on to, you know, how can we now restore proper gut function, bring in more probiotic rich foods or more soluble fiber, et cetera. You have to diversify nutrients. Like you you have to. You can't just keep eating the same thing all the time because your body is is it's designed for that array of nutrients. That's why like I always say this. I'm like I would love to do this like literally go to Whole Foods with a microphone and a camera and ask people like what is the seasonal produce right now? I have no idea. Most people would have no idea. Yeah. And like, this is what I'm saying is that we are designed to have a variety of different nutrients because we're supposed to be eating in season, but here in the U S at least, like we don't even, we don't even know what's in season because we have access to everything all the time. Mm -hmm. So, so guys, it's really like, this stuff sounds so simple, but I can't tell you how important it is for the body and to be able to really just keep your body in balance and also restore systems that aren't functioning well. Also from like a deprivation standpoint where people are coming in and expecting to be deprived, which is mm-hmm. not what we end up sending them out the door with, but 
everyone I put on a different type of therapeutic diet for a short period of time, it, their goal is to vary the bioavailability of different micronutrients. And yep. the way to do that is also varying the foods you're eating within the realm of the diet you're testing for right now. 100%. So myth number two, the nutrition label is giving you the best nutritional information. So guys, I hate to break it to you, but the one thing that is missing from your nutrition label is the amount of pesticides, herbicides, and genetically modified ingredients right. that are within your food. Yeah. So we have to start thinking about like, where is this food sourced? And, you know, this simple example is, you know, we all, we, I think most of us have heard of dole, like dole bananas. Dole has regular conventional bananas that are treated with pesticides, and now they have organic bananas. But when you actually do your research, you'll find that the uh, part of the farm that is sourcing organic is directly next to the farm yep. using pesticides. And there is a thing called wind, <laughs> and it is going to blow the pesticides around. So you have to also think about these conventional brands that are now tapping into this organic market because even gluten-free is, what is it, 25 parts per billion? Right. Yeah. So you could have 25 parts per billion of gluten in a gluten-free, in a product labeled gluten-free. That says that it is, yeah. So there is a lot of things that are insanely tricky and I know that this can sound like so overwhelming and stressful and it's not intended to, but once you, you know, you build that, that basis of knowledge, you can really know what to avoid. But also if you're focused on whole foods, it makes your life a lot easier. Definitely. Because going off of that is that the same thing can be said about thickeners, preservatives, uh, gums and everything that we're going to get into from like an additive standpoint. Yep. So at that point, they're just tricking you with words that you don't know or understand. Yep. And they're actually translating into toxins, chemicals, and MSG-derived particles. You can't even call them food. Yeah. We're going to get into that too, because we broke down probably some of the things that all of you guys are eating. Um, the one last thing that I want to say is superfoods are not always super. So some of you that have been trying to, you know, dabble in getting healthier, you may have gotten on the smoothie train and you may be trying to jam pack as many nutrients as possible in your smoothies. And you might be using things like chlorella, spirulina, what else? Camu, barley, camu, grass, barley grass, pomegranate powder, uh, charcoal people are throwing in their smoothies too. So yeah green banana flour, like the list goes on, but if it's going to end up doing more harm than good because of it's not organic, because they're using certain type of materials to break down those products. Like that didn't start a pomegranate powder, didn't start in powderized form. Yep. Started a pomegranate. How did it get there? So if you just, if you just allow a tiny bit of that thought process mm -hmm. in when you're yeah. purchasing and when you're looking for things, it can shift your mindset. Not, not to say that you can't include some of these mm -hmm. items, but yeah. there's a smart way to do it. And we're going to give you a cheat sheet on some yeah. of the superfoods because again, we know this stuff is tricky, but one thing is like a simple example like spirulina, so nutrient dense, so awesome. But a lot of it is contaminated depending on where it's sourced. Mm -hmm. So you know, knowing what brands are actually beneficial so that you can obviously get the the maximum benefit out of what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so this is, I we stole this from Food Babe. So we're going to give her yep. full credit Absolutely. because she is the bomb and she 
really has done her due diligence of breaking down ingredients in food. But this is always the most fascinating. I've personally been to France and I saw this firsthand because I was creeping around the grocery store and looking at all of these, you know, um, you know, American brands, Kellogg cereals, General Mills. And I was looking at the ingredients and I was like, my goodness, it is completely different. Yeah, it's like half the amount. It, it's crazy. And this was the example from her site of ketchup is here's the UK version. And on the left is the US version. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about because when I was doing some research on this, I was thinking how I'm personally, I'm not a condiment person. Yeah. I don't put them on things. We have patients. Ketchup who, on eggs. Yeah. Oh, makes me cringe. Sorry, I, people. I do like it at <laughs> times, but it's like, if you ever get something with ketchup on it, it's like crap. Like you can't stop eating it, even if you don't like condiments. Yeah. So it's interesting because when you break this down, on the left side is obviously the Americanized ketchup. On the right is more European. So starting out with just vinegar versus spirit vinegar, mm -hmm. there's a difference there just in terms of alcohol versus preservatives. So they're mm -hmm. using an alcohol-derived vinegar, whereas distilled vinegar has preservatives in it. Mm -hmm. And then going off of... I didn't know that. Then, <laughs> then going off of the combination of high fructose corn syrup, like that wasn't bad enough. So we're just going to throw in a little extra corn syrup. The difference is that uh, high fructose corn syrup contains glucose and then some glucose that's converted to fructose and corn syrup is just 100% glucose. So that glucose that's then converted to fructose, that combination is banned in the UK. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's not included in their ketchup. Yeah. It's banned in a lot of European countries. It's just crazy because high, high fructose corn syrup, it's just amplifying the sugar content yeah. and it's making a lot of our kids addicted. So it's, it's really yeah. just a, not a great situation. Yeah. So Jan just asked about collagen peptides. We're going to get there. Um, I know that they're definitely there. There's other ketchups that are not Heinz that are following a very similar ingredient list when it comes to, you know, eliminating out the high fructose corn syrup. But these are things you're sourcing mainly at Whole Foods or some other type of natural yeah. food market. Even then though, they could have their fill of agave. Yeah. So it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other, but you got to like, look at the sugar. Exactly. A hundred percent. Exactly. Uh, so sorry guys, we're going to talk wine. I know this is going to be devastating for some of you, but we got to go there. Um, I think I told you this story, but I went, I was in Paris and when I was in Paris, it was actually kind of funny. I did an Airbnb and when I arrived, the woman who owned it was there and I was like, oh, like, hello. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you. Yeah. So. She was very intense about making sure that I watched France 24 news. And she's like, you need to know what's happening in the city that you're in. And I'm like, I will watch it. Okay. Wow. She was very intense. But I ended up watching it. And I hate the news. But it was so informative. Mm -hmm. And it was just like mind-blowing. But anyway, besides the point, there was a specific segment about agritech. And it was technology being used in agriculture. And specifically wow. in France, they were using drones to hover over the vineyard and they were taking snapshot, infrared snapshots of the vines to check for fungus. And if they found fungus, aka mold, they would go in and they'd rip the vine out so it didn't spread because it will spread rapidly once it happens. So something that people are not aware of with wine, because you hear about it all the time. There's like people that are like, oh my God, I can't drink wine. It gives me a splitting headache or it tears up my stomach. 
but you will find that if you do travel and go to Italy or, or France, that the wine is so different. And it's because here in the U.S., we are not monitoring for fungal invasion of the vines or the grapes. So very often, these wines are chock full of something called mycotoxins. So some of you that are here have potentially explored why you don't feel well. And you maybe have come across a podcast about mold or a webinar about mold. Maybe it was ours. Mm -hmm. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, it was somewhere I lived. It's in my house. I got to get an inspector. But it can actually be from wine. Yeah. And you were having like terrible issues. Terrible issues. And I never understood it. And what I've found now that my cousins are growing up is that it's run, definitely runs in my family. Yeah. And that just means that the same, you know, that people I'm related to also have the same triggering response to mycotoxins. Because yeah. if you're the type of person that gets a flush when you're drinking, like a head to toe sort of heated flush, if you lose equilibrium, if you feel like a half a glass is going to make you pass out, mm-hmm. a lot of times, yes, that can be related to the way that, like you said prior, your liver is detoxifying yep. or or is, isn't essentially, yeah. but it can also largely be related to having a response to mycotoxins. And mm-hmm. so those are the microscopic molds mm-hmm. that live on food in beverages, specifically yeah. aflatoxins. And then this one fumonisin B2 we're seeing all the time now. Mm-hmm. And these are, like Dr. Nicole said, growing on the vines. So mm-hmm. the other interesting thing about European versus America is the sulfite consi- um, mm-hmm. consistency as well, because you could have an allergy or sensitivity to that preservative. Yep. And even if they're coming from Europe to, into the U.S., they still need to have a certain amount of preservatives, so sulfites, mm-hmm. to get into our country. Yeah. Whereas when you're going there, they don't have to. Yeah. You know, something like my personal experience was um, living outside of Napa Valley, Napa Valley for a little while. And like, I was young and I was like, Ooh, I'm into wine. I know so much. But um, I got, started getting really sick from drinking the wine. And it was like, I didn't really understand it. So actually, when I went to France, I didn't, I didn't drink wine. I just like, was like, no, I, it makes me sick. And I remember they looked at me like I was absolutely insane because it's like embedded in their culture there. And I remember drinking uh, a glass of wine in France. And I was like, what is this? This is amazing. But um, I find that with the organic wines, you are removing the pesticide, herbicide, and caricide issue, which definitely decreases negative absolutely. symptoms. But organic wines are not necessarily looking at the mycotoxin issue, but biodynamic wines are. Mm -hmm. And if you do live in our area here in New Jersey, we have um, a place called uh, Court Liquors in Long Branch, and they carry a ton of biodynamic wines. So that's something to keep in mind if you are a wine drinker. Yeah, And I think that there's something to be said about, um, especially people coming in being like, but the Mediterranean diet, you know, the culture is built on wine, like what you're saying about yes. Europe. The culture is built around heart health. Like the culture is actually mm-hmm. built on food. They have a very positive connection to health foods. Yeah. And so when your antioxidant content throughout the course of the day is so high from everything you're eating and drinking, yes. of course, everything is going to feel cleaner and you're going to feel more fulfilled in that mm-hmm. way too. So it's not like we but can it's just the soil. mimic that. Yeah, exactly. We can't mimic that. Yeah, but it's also like the soil is so important. So like when like I can't tell you how intense the French and the Italians are about their wine, like you know, g- creation. But 
the the soil is something that is also dictating the nutrient content mm-hmm. of the grape, which then dictates the nutrient content of the wine. Mm-hmm. So these are all things to take into consideration. And I've, definitely biodynamic is the way to go here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Someone asked what's wrong with agave, and I would love for you to speak to that. Oh, so the thing about that is that it's marketed as being a low glycemic alternative to sugar. And so if you're, this just comes back to blood sugar. So if your blood sugar, if you're the type of person who passes out after you have like a baked good or after you have, not like really pass out, but get tired. (laughs) If you would get tired, I call that passing out because I used to eat baked goods that were full of agave thinking I was doing something so great yeah and I would come home and I couldn't function I felt like I'd been drugged and so what I figured out was that it was the agave Mm. because that has a wrecking ball effect on your blood sugar Mm. if you're spike and crash yeah exactly whereas something like a date or a piece of fruit or even honey exactly has like more intact so that your body is actually absorbing it slower Mm -hmm. and it's able to utilize the glucose as fuel. Like that's when carbohydrates and sugar can be used as fuel. Whereas you're having straight syrup otherwise. Yeah. And there's a difference between pure grade A maple Mm -hmm. syrup, which used to be grade B now it's grade A. Whereas that has a ton of, um, micronutrients and minerals mm-hmm. from the tree like that comes out of the tree yep. so there's just a difference there and it doesn't it, i'm not saying it affects everyone that way i don't i tend to deter from it if you've ever had a kind bar and had the same experience that's why mm-hmm. so um i generally stay away it's from so funny i used it. to when i first got into like nutrition i i was making bars and i didn't know anything and i was just like the, the only sticky thing I could use yeah. to hold it together was agave. Yeah. And now that you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I think I used to get really fatigued mm-hmm. from it. Um, okay. So this book is, I was just saying, you haven't read it, right? I have not. No. So this book blew my freaking mind, by the way. So for those of you on Instagram, it's called Real Food, Fake Food by Larry Olmstead. So this guy had the coolest job ever. He literally went... Um, all over the world. And he was a food journalist. So he went all over the world and was able to experience like the authenticity of balsamic vinegar from Modena, um, Parmesan from Parma, Italy, and uh, went to Japan and experienced sushi firsthand. And he pretty much came back to the US and was kind of like, what the hell are we eating? (laughs) You know, if Parmesan is only like, it's called Parmesan because it comes from Parma, Italy then how are we labeling, say, like craft Parmesan cheese, Parmesan cheese? Like, how are we doing that? Because it is not the same in any capacity. And I personally was a pescatarian for about 10 years. So I only ate fish and I knew nothing about farm versus wild, etc. So there is a third of the book that is actually dedicated to sushi. And I actually had this conversation today with a patient and he's like, yeah, I I stopped eating sushi because I was getting sick. And I was like, what were you eating? He's like, tuna. I go, were you eating white tuna? And he's like, yes. How do you know that? And I'm like, well, white tuna is not white tuna. It's called escolar. And escolar is called the X-lax fish because it causes gastrointestinal distress and diarrhea. So that was my moment. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Um, But this is something that was just so interesting to me when you're breaking it down of how bastardized a lot of these foods are. And, you know, it really comes back to even just some of the marketing around certain foods. You know, there's like these healthy alternatives now at these chain restaurants. 
And I remember I, I got these like avocado egg rolls at Cheesecake Factory a long time ago, thinking that was healthy. Yeah. And not even thinking about the dipping sauce. I blew up like a blimp and had a splitting headache. Yeah. And then I asked that the cilantro dipping sauce had massive MSG in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, how many women and men are going out to a restaurant and getting a salad thinking that's the healthier option and their mm-hmm. dressing, dressing is yeah. laden with Anything MSG. And everything. Yeah. MSG, inflammatory oils, so much sugar, you wouldn't actually believe that it could still be in liquid form. Yeah. And, <laughs> and pesticides. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely getting tricky. And I want you guys to understand is take it piece by piece. Do not overwhelm yourselves because it's really like also too, when you start going for different brands and better quality and you taste the difference, you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't even eat, you know, Purdue chicken anymore because this is what chicken's really supposed to taste like. So it's, it's very eye opening once you start dabbling, but start slow and start yeah, with, you know, easy things. But I actually, these are, these are my I old favorites. They they're not yours. They they're my old favorites. <laughs> but it's very funny because I, it took me forever to find this wrapper. And I know it's super small for you guys to actually be able to see the label, but this was the Kashi Go Lean bars. Oh yeah. I lived on these in college and the first ingredient is like soy protein isolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought I was healthy because everybody was getting, going to Wawa and getting pork roll and cheese. And I was like, I'm going to get the Kashi bar. <laughs> I know. And it's wild because I grew up eating the heart to heart cereal, the Kashi heart to heart cereal. I would take a solo cup this big yeah. because I needed fiber. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know any other avenue to get it into my system at that time. So Kashi definitely made a killing back in the day, yeah. but nobody knew what yeah, was Yeah, but this bar is discontinued. Yeah, Go figure. So, and then another one too was the egg white spinach better wrap from Starbucks. That was like a go-to. And unfortunately, sometimes I still go for it when I'm traveling because traveling options usually are terrible. But we got into the ingredients and I was like absolutely horrified with what is actually in it. Um, and then the same thing with a mocha from Starbucks. And we're actually going to get into a few of these things. So right now, a lot of us are grabbing milk alternatives. We're grabbing for oat milk, coconut milk, almond milk. And we're thinking like, okay, well, this is a better option. And uh, I think that we talked about this because I had the matcha. That's what it was. I had the matcha and this was a long time ago. And I I had it with, I think, the, the almond milk. And I remember just being like, wow, this is really good. And then I made matcha on my own. And I was like, this is so gross and bitter. And then I was like, what is, because I didn't ask for extra sweetener. And I was like, oh my gosh, they must be putting so much sugar either in the milk or the powder or both. And voila. Yeah. Can you even believe? So there's water and coconut cream. Like everyone could have just stopped there, but adding cane sugar, tricalcium phosphate, that's a calcium salt that can actually cause constipation and muscle weakness. And then going through the list here, okay, then we have coconut water. That's fine, but it's a concentrate. Natural flavors. So <laughs> this goes kiss of death. <laughs> yeah, way back because this could be anything from MSG preservatives to animal derived byproducts. So they can still sneak in even to something that's vegan, something that's plant-based because it falls under that mark that allows for it to be in food because it's yeah. actually, it's largely synthetic. Yes. Sea salt, carrageenan. So this is interesting because you're still seeing carrageenan on everything. And if you've been in the realm of 
those who are health conscious, you know that carrageenan is a carcinogen and it's a thickener. Mm -hmm. So it's in like your coffee mate uh, creamer that everyone loves so much. And I mean, almost every patient starts off coming and talking about their coffee mate creamer. Yeah. And there's carrageenan in that. And what the FDA labeled it as safe actually in 2018, I was shocked when I looked this up and what they got away with was saying that degraded carrageenan is what is carcinogenic. But when you do your research, you'll find that upon ingestion, 20% of carrageenan that you're intaking (laughs) becomes degraded in the gut. So that absolutely horrified me because this is approved as a safe additive. Meanwhile, it's linked directly to colitis, IBS, rheumatoid arthritis, and colon cancer. Um, vitamin A palmitate, this is just a synthetic form of vitamin A. So then that was a Starbucks coconut milk. That's what they're putting in your coffee when you order coconut milk. So unfortunately, these plant-based dairy alternatives, which would otherwise be phenomenally available, are not what you think they are. So I'm the person that goes up there and asks them, is there added sugar? That's the only thing I have to say. Because if there is, I'm not having it because the rest of this is in it as well. Mm -hmm. But I was also the person in college that brought my own little jar of milk (laughs) to the Starbucks. And I was like, people think I'm putting Bailey's in my coffee. (laughs) But it was like a little personal size shot of coconut milk that I made in my dorm room. So, but I'll say too, it's like, we're talking about Starbucks because it's obviously a big commercial brand, but when you're going to some of your local coffee shops, a lot of them are definitely, they're not, um, you know, this is Starbucks coconut milk. They make everything, you know, for their company. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these other facilities, they're not necessarily you like using this. Right. We're not trying to say that all coconut milk is crap. It's just certain types of it are. Yeah. Um, so it's just keeping it in mind because you know, the biggest point of this slide is to help you understand, like, I know personally, I used to drink white chocolate peppermint mochas from Starbucks. And then I went over to the matcha latte thinking like, oh, well, this is a better alternative. Mm -hmm. And just like being totally tricked into like how much crap is actually in it. It's anywhere you go, because I walked into Whole Foods just yesterday, I was telling you, and they're advertising that their matcha latte has, it was something like lavender syrup, vanilla syrup, that is straight cane sugar mixed with high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. And this is the kicker because this is Dunkin' and um, I want, this is literally from their site. So hot coffee with oat milk. And I just like, obviously we're going in saying, I just want, you know, coffee, oat milk, end of story, no sugar, make it black. And look at all the crap that's in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just was like floored on, you would never in a million years think like, oh, I'm getting exposed to all this junk by just getting oat milk right. in my coffee. Yeah. So it's, and let alone the pink velvet swirl. Right. I mean, like, like, you would almost expect more <laughs> out of that. So it's almost more horrifying about just the coffee with oat yeah. milk. Yeah. But anywhere you go now, they're serving oat milk, like I said, making it available without asking the question about like what's actually in it. Yeah. And, you know, dairy is like obviously a whole subject in itself because you could easily say, well, you know, just shoot for the dairy because at least it's, you know, it's sourced like from an animal and it's, it's natural, but there's kind of its own issues there. And that kind of brings us to one of these tips is when you're, when you're talking about anything that is cow based. 
So this could be collagen powder. Mm -hmm. This could be um, beef. It could be bone broth. It could be milk is understanding. It's not about grass fed. It's about grass fed, grass finished. Mm -hmm. And when I tell patients that they're like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And they're not necessarily like understanding that grass fed means that the animal was fed grass for three quarters of its life. And then the last quarter of its life, it was actually fed grain because they want to plump it up as much as possible right before butchering because it's heavier and they get more money for it. So when you are sourcing and you're looking up things to figure out where am I going to start getting my meat from is grass fed, grass finished is something to keep in mind. So you're not getting scammed essentially. And pasture raised is really when you're getting into like chicken, turkey, pork. Um, chickens are not necessarily eating grass. They're eating a lot of like seeds yeah, and corn. Even. Yeah. So you want them to be free roaming. You want them to be roaming on the pasture and you want to make sure that they are not being fed a feed, but they're actually, you know, eating, you know, seeds and different things from the ground. Uh, so these are a couple of things to keep in mind more so in the realm of, of animal protein. And one thing that we talk about a lot, and I think this is always very surprising, is so cow milk has high levels of casein, which is something that a lot of people have irritation yeah. to. And goat actually has less than half the amount of casein, but sheep has none, right. has no casein. So when we're talking about dairy, it's not very often like you have to go to all those dairy alternatives, but goat and sheep products are actually a way better alternative right. to, to cow. Um, so it's not everyone's favorite. No, <laughs> I will say that most people, when I explain this to them, don't realize how many uh, cheeses they're eating that are derived from sheep and goat yep. already. Yep. So it's not always advertised in that yep. way, I think, because it is a deterrent to some. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. definitely when you break it down to the structure, like Dr. Cole was saying, it can come to it that your sensitivity is actually related to the makeup versus yeah. the overarching uh, dairy product. And we're going to get more into like the food allergy aspect because I know that this can be so, so confusing for you guys. So definitely we're going to get into that in just the next minute or so. Um, Fresh herbs, like I use fresh herbs on the regular because they have so many detox benefits. Like yeah. one thing with cilantro is cilantro can actually cleanse your gallbladder and pull heavy metals out. Yeah, it's very antimicrobial. And then parsley mm -hmm. in anything is going to be amazing for your skin. Yep. And any sort of like, if you're having halitosis, that's just a symptom of what's going on in the Bad esophagus. Uh, yes, <laughs> in the esophagus, in the gut itself. And so if you're eating these herbs, they're actually yep. neutralizing uh, what's causing that response. Yeah. So one of my tricks is I literally take a fresh herb, throw it in the blender, a little bit of lemon, olive oil, clover to a garlic, a little salt, blend it up, kind of makes like a bit of a pesto. And then you could add a little vinegar too, if you wanted to, you know, have that, you know, um, acidity to it. And it's something, dip your chicken in it, put it on your broccoli, put it on a salad. And it's, it can stay in the fridge for, right. you know, days. So it, that's a really, really easy thing to start amping up your nutrients mm -hmm. and also starting to cleanse the liver, the gallbladder. Um, so speaking of that, cruciferous vegetables, yeah. you can probably name off all of them. Yeah. So if we're breaking it down, it's cauliflower, broccoli are obviously the two 
on top. And then cabbage, kale is a cruciferous vegetable. Um, Kohlrabi. Yeah. Nobody so, eats that. No. I like it. <laughs> Radishes are cruciferous. Brussels. So the list goes on and on. And what it comes down to is anything that is very hard. So that's what you have to think about with cruciferous, the mm -hmm. brassica family. So everything is going to have that high fibrous content that is actually making it hard. So it has to be cooked down or it's on your crudite platter and you're eating it raw, dipping it in Dr. Cole sauce. <laughs> so, um, either way, these cruciferous vegetables are going to work on detoxifying the liver. Yes. And the liver is what detoxifies anything from what we're discussing prior to a hormone imbalance. Yeah. So a great modality in hormonal imbalance and way to detoxify is to up your cruciferous vegetables. But I don't mean like eat a couple cauliflower florets. I mean, it's like try to get them in yeah. every single way that you can. Well, and that brings us to the next one that this is something that a lot of people are not getting because we're living in an era of paleo, mm -hmm. keto, low carb. There's still people that are even doing like Atkins type diet. And I get that there's a lot of immediate weight loss. There's definitely some people that see inf like inflammation improve. But again, it's using those diets as a tool mm -hmm. and then understanding that you need to introduce things that are absolutely essential for certain pathways. And soluble fiber, like I feel like most of my patients that I'm talking to are eating zero soluble fiber. Yeah. And soluble fiber, one of the absolute best sources is going to be beans. It's going to be kidney beans, cannellini beans, black beans, navy beans, white beans. And people are not eating these and they're not getting exposed to the soluble fiber, which is actually something that is cleansing your liver and your bowels. So what happens is if you have no soluble fiber, all of the bile, from your liver, so backtrack, bile is made in your liver, the bile it binds to toxins, and then that dumps into your gut, and then this ball of bile attached to toxins is supposed to go out of your body via a bowel movement. But what happens is it goes through the small intestine, and if you have no fiber, then that ball of toxic bile circulates yeah. right back to your liver. So you need soluble fiber and you should not be on low carb diets for years upon years upon years because you're actually further burdening your liver by having no fiber in your diet. Yeah. And I think that a really great indication of this imbalance is someone who says, oh, I can't eat beans because I can't eat that type of fiber. And oh my God, I'll get so bloated and I'm so uncomfortable. And it's like, you should be able, like the goal is to get to a point where your body is able to digest these foods. Yeah. If your body can't digest fiber, it's not that you have a problem with fiber. Mm -hmm. There's a greater, a much greater issue going on with the microflora in your gut. Yes. And that's something that I'm so glad you said that because, you know, people call beans the fart food. And I, I laugh because that the only reason you're developing gas from something like beans is because beans are also a prebiotic. Mm -hmm. So they are feeding, supposed to be feeding good bacteria, but unfortunately, if you have bad bacteria in your gut, it is going to feed that. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, is that you are going to then create more of a bacterial dysbiosis. So it's all about timing is really what it comes down to. So it's not like, oh, just tolerate it and power through and just eat the beans. You might have to create more balance in your microbiome mm -hmm. by clearing out bad bacteria 
bringing in good bacteria before your body can actually tolerate the legumes. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, is that when we're getting into like soluble fiber, oats is obviously one of them. But one thing that I personally want to say is that because of the type of testing that we do, we find that there are a lot of individuals that oats are creating a blood sugar. Well, I shouldn't say creating. It is furthering a blood sugar crisis. Let me reiterate what I'm talking about with a blood sugar crisis is that this does not mean that your glucose or your hemoglobin A1C is elevated in your blood. It means that you wake up, you have no appetite, your blood sugar is really bad if you're like, oh, can't even look at food, I'm nauseous. You usually drink coffee or something caffeinated, it suppresses your appetite, you get to lunch and you're like, holy crap, I'm starving. And now you eat something, you spike your blood sugar, you crash down, you have a midday like low with your energy, you get to dinner time, you're starving again, you eat, probably snacking on cheese and crackers. I know this because it was me, by the way. Snack on the cheese and uh, on crackers, you have your dinner. Now, ooh, where's the chocolate? Ooh, where's the ice cream? Ooh, I needed something a little sweet. Mm -hmm. So when you have that situation, starting your day with oats, not for everyone, but it potentially can further the blood sugar issue. Mm -hmm. So again, guys, this is about knowing your body through having better testing. And then this is something that will definitely allow you to know like how to navigate, like what does your body need right now? And what does it maybe need later after you resolve a foundational issue? Yeah. And just to add on is that oats are also one of the foods highest in mycotoxin contamination. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a response to that, that's causing a or furthering a blood sugar crisis, it can also be circled back to the fact that you may be having a response to mycotoxins as well. Mm -hmm. And so we're not saying that you can only get soluble fiber from beans as well. So if you go back to the slide we were just on, that we had listed broccoli, we had listed fruits and vegetables, we had listed avocado. Soluble fiber dissolves in water. So it forms a gel that sweeps through the intestines. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that sweeping, grabbing effect so that it's pulling out anything that could otherwise have gotten stuck in the microvilli in the intestine. Yeah. And psyllium husks is another great alternative, but I personally find not many people can tolerate psyllium husks. And another thing that I just want to say, even piggybacking off of that is, you know, we, we were doing a 21 day cleanse for a little while and it was very interesting, the transition, because, you know, I've been practicing for almost 10 years. And when we first started doing the cleanse, um, people were fine tolerating the gastro fiber, right. which was a soluble fiber. And, you know, like they would maybe have a little discomfort, but they were able to get through the, um, the actual cleanse. And then what started to happen in the past few years is that people were like, I can't take the fiber. Yeah. I cannot tolerate it. And what I started to, you know, connect was the fact that the amount of pesticides on our food has increased dramatically. So people are doing the fiber and that gel binding effect that you're talking about is it was binding so many residues in the gut and people were like in agony. They're just like, oh my God, my gut feels horrid. So just again, don't be discouraged if you're having that type of response because it just means that you might need a different approach to to eliminate yeah. residues out of your gut. Because right. I can't tell you how common this is. 
If you're allergic to legumes, that's totally fine. Like we said before, is um, if you don't resonate with that blood sugar crisis profile, then uh, steel cut oats could be a great alternative. Yeah broccoli, avocado, mm -hmm. cruciferous. Yep. So definitely keeping those in mind. Um, but like Grace said, is that certain legumes, depending on where they're sourced, can be high in mycotoxins. So you might actually be having an issue with the mycotoxins and not having an issue with the legumes. This is where it gets tricky. So, you know, certain foods being healthy for everyone, you know, we already talked about the oatmeal and how that's not great for someone, say, with a sugar, uh, a blood sugar issue. But, you know, celery juice, medical medium has blown that up. Mm -hmm. And something that people want to know is like in the in a person who maybe has weaker kidneys is a lot of celery juice can amp up oxalate in the in the kidneys and can cause a collection of that which can lead to kidney stones so i'm not saying that that happens to everyone and i'm not saying celery juice is bad all i'm saying is that if you're like oh you know i have back pain a lot on the sides of my spine but i drink my celery juice every day give it a break for a week see if your back feels way. better yeah. um same thing with you know gluten is that there was an awesome docuseries that was done it was called cooked and I feel like it opened my mind to gluten mm -hmm. so much. And we've talked about this is that old school and countries that uh, were founded on like the primary food group is, is bread right. and pita mm -hmm. and things like that is they went back to showing the old world practices. And really all it came down to was fermentation. They used to let the dough sit, rise and ferment. And like they didn't use yeast, they allowed the yeast to be produced That's through right, the fermentation. Yeah. And that actually broke down the gluten molecule, which then allowed people to digest it because it was like a pre-digested right. gluten. Yeah. And it was just so fascinating to me because I just feel like everyone's like gluten, 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 anti-gluten, anti-gluten. And it's like when we get back to true food from its origins, it takes away that negative connotation. And we realize like it's time, you know, if, if we want to spend the time and maybe learn how to make our own bread, I get it, people, I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm not sitting here saying like everybody should make their own bread. <laughs> but, you know, if we, if we say like, I don't know, like I'm going to do a fun thing with my kids and I'm going to show them, you know, how to make their own food, then it's like, it can be really empowering for even kids to like understand right. it better and not live in fear of food. Right. So I don't know. I dorked out about it. I really loved it. No, I think I think that's <laughs> something to be said because it's not the food that well, it's food that we have access to. Yeah. So when you're taking the time, like you said, to create it on your own or to go back to basics and yeah. think about fermentation and think about other types of foods as well that can have the same benefit on the gut and why we're not used to that in the form of gluten. Yeah. Um, There's a lot more with gluten, yeah. but we'll save that for another day because it's yeah. like, it's deep. Um, making bread is not easy, by the way. My husband kicked me out of the kitchen because I don't follow directions. <laughs> so like, I wasn't measuring anything and he was like, get out. Like, you can't do this. You can't do this. So definitely like, if you're like me, don't try to make bread. <laughs> yeah, go to Lisa's house. She'll yeah. make you bread. Um, but I really want to talk about this next slide here because we see this all the time yeah. and some of you are going to resonate with this. So if you have an allergy to fruits, especially the skins of fruits and nuts, two of the foods that are highest with pesticides, herbicides yeah. and mycotoxins. 
So if you are that individual that there's no rhyme or reason, there's no correlation, there's no consistency with your reactions, you might not be reacting to the protein or the peptides in the food. You might be reacting to how the food was processed or what is on the food. So this is definitely something to take a step further because I know there are a lot of you that are ripping your hair out because you don't know what to eat. You're scared of food. You're frustrated. You don't want to go out to eat because you're like, I can't even enjoy it. And honestly, it's not a way to live. And it's understanding that there, it might not be the food. It might be what is on the food. Lactose. Mm-hmm. Anytime tell, someone tells me I'm lactose intolerant, I automatically am like, what's wrong with your gallbladder? Right. And I'm not going to say that there are people that are out there that are truly lactose intolerant, but sometimes it's not the lactose. It's not being able to break right down. down the fats in, because a lot of people say that they're lactose intolerant because they can't tolerate like whole milk, cream, like half and half and ice cream, mm-hmm. which are the highest, highest milk fat. Yeah. So it's maybe not that it might be that your gallbladder is overloaded. And that is the reason why you cannot tolerate or break down those um, fats. Yeah, especially if you're eating those things, and you're noticing you get pain between your shoulder blades. That's a telltale sign as well of like gallbladder mm-hmm. malfunction or dysfunction because mm-hmm. of that inability to break down the yeah. lipid panel. And gurgling, like a lot yeah. of gurgling if you're hungry or after you eat. Mm-hmm. Especially if you feel it like coming up and it's not reflux. Exactly. Like that sound. Exactly. Someone was asking, you know, our thoughts on the autoimmune paleo diet. And just like a disclaimer that I want to make is that, you know, when it comes to certain diets, like we said before, is they should be used as a strategy. But I think the more important thing, and this I hope is empowering to you guys, is that You need to figure out what the heck is going on in your gut that is requiring you to eat that diet. Because if you, if you skew or you move away from that diet, you feel bad. And yes, we can sit here and say, Oh, well, it's flaring my autoimmune condition. But at the end of the day, if you're having such a reaction to foods, it's usually because there is something that is being missed in testing or something that's being missed by your practitioner that's not allowing you to address the root cause. And if you can really figure out what that root cause is and fix the foundation, then you should be able to get back to a balanced diet, but be able to leverage that diet in the meantime of fixing the foundational problem. Um, so one thing I wrote, allergies to meat, beef. So I'm going to really scare you guys now. So one of the biggest things that I find or we find when someone is like, I can't eat beef, I have an allergic reaction to beef, and this is really also for pork, is that someone has usually been exposed to contaminated beef or pork. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, this is them being exposed to the bacteria that is associated with mad cow disease. And guys, this is not uncommon. No. Uh, it's really not. And for the person that was asking about collagen powder, um, I do think Vital Proteins is a good brand and it is reputable and they're sourcing well, but there is a lot of collagen powder out there that is derived from beef that is potentially causing issues. Secondary to that is there are vaccines that contain beef gelatin, one of them being the tetanus, also known as DTAP. So these are things that you need to think about in reference to like, why am I having such a negative reaction to beef? 
Is it, you know, because I just have an allergy to beef? Is it because you've been exposed to contaminated beef and those toxins still live in your body? Yes, that happens. Um, and was that exposure from food? Was that exposure from collagen powder? Was that exposure from beef gelatin in a vaccine? And it doesn't always mean that you have to have had food poisoning. Yes. Uh, that's a misconception as well. So it doesn't always mean that we're searching for this time period in where you had a horrible reaction. Yep. You may not even have known. Yes. And so going back, I have, we've both had patients who would say, oh my gosh, I've been, uh, I haven't eaten beef in 20 years because one day I just couldn't eat it anymore. Yep. And that's sort of a mental response to <laughs> yep. that internal thing. Your body's like, please no more. Yep. hundred percent. Um, someone was asking about bone broth and, uh, you know, Maria, I'll just say a funny story is that I, I've made my own bone broth and I still do. Um, but I remember going to Whole Foods and I asked, you know, can I get your marrow bones? And he was like, yeah, sure. I specifically said grass fed, grass finish. I was like, I only want them if they're grass fed, grass finish. I think the guy just wasn't listening to me yeah. or didn't care. But he brought the bone out and I, it was like so big. And I automatically was like, there's no way that this is grass fed. This has to be, you know, uh, an unhealthy cow, yeah. unfortunately. And the last thing you want to do is make Take bone that. broth mm -hmm. from unhealthy marrow. So just kind of keeping that in mind, if you guys are making your own bone broth is just, if the bone is freaking huge, chances it are it is not a healthy cow. So keeping that in mind, just giving you the point of this slide is that one, there are, there are tests out there that help you to understand if uh, pesticide residues are playing a role in your gastrointestinal issues as well as your food allergies. Right. Secondary is Cerex Labs is a really cool lab because they do a food allergy panel that's very specific, but they also test for food additives. So, so oh my God. <laughs> because when I found this stuff out, I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. So the meat glue is interesting because what was brought to my attention is if you go get ground meat and you make your own burgers, fine. But if you go to like Costco and you get your stack of pre-made burgers, frozen burgers, and you're looking at it and you see like the white trickled into the burger and you think like, oh, it's just the fat content. Sorry, guys, it's not. It's meat glue. <laughs> uh, so these are things to keep in mind because, again, we all want convenience and we've all been programmed to go for convenience, but we're not realizing that that convenience comes with a cost mm -hmm. and like you're eating things like meat glue. Google it, guys. It's yeah. like pink sludge. It it's is like pink slime. It's like, like cafeteria it's pink slime. Horrifying. Yeah. So the point is, <laughs> is that with all of this being said, is food can be medicine, 100 million percent, but it can also be anti-medicine. Mm -hmm. If you're eating things that are laden with toxins, you're dousing yourself in high fructose corn syrup, not even knowing, yeah. Yeah. you know, you're, you're getting exposed to foods that have all of these different additives that are turning into carcinogens in yep. your gut, et cetera. But I will say, like, the biggest thing that trumps everything is the, the pesticide situation is bad. And there is an epidemic of gut issues. You know, we, we're dealing with Crohn's, inflammatory bowel, um, colitis, irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. And it's not getting better. No. And people are 
not they're like they're not being acknowledged for the idea that there are toxins in their gut that are causing part of the problem. And it also it you can maybe be working with a doc that's doing did a stool sample right. and saw the bacteria and saw that maybe there's a candida or fungal overgrowth, but you're not going to resolve those issues if you if you still have pesticides in your gut. Like it's impossible. So you're the person who's spending all this money on supplements, you're on the elimination diet. And then, you know, six months go by and you're like, how the heck am I not better? Like this sucks. And like you, you quit, you give up. And that's the hardest thing to hear. And that thing that we hear the most, because people be like, I just gave up and I went back to all the foods that I know hurt me because what's the point when I'm trying to eat so clean, I've eliminated and deprived myself so much that I just, it's not worth it. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's really about getting testing to figure out, you know, what, what does your body need? You know, you're not your conventional blood work that you're getting done in a physical or you're getting done for a checkup is not looking at mycotoxins. It's not looking at heavy metals. It is not looking at, you know, these different things. And also reference ranges are being changed all the time. Mm -hmm. They've actually changed the reference range now for cholesterol so that they can prescribe more cholesterol medications. So this is something that, you know, you guys have to understand is it's really, really important to get a comprehensive look as to what the heck is going on in your body. And that really is dabbling outside of just your gold standard of, of a CBC and a CMP. It's so funny that you bring that up because just twice very recently, I was asked what the reference ranges are for two markers of macronutrients and blood markers. And I was able to spew them out. But at the same time, it's like, I don't agree with that. You can't possibly agree with that. So it doesn't matter if I'm telling you what you could Google because that's not what is actually going to allow you to heal or what you should use as your gold standard for something as as important as your cholesterol. I 100% agree. 100%. So there is a couple of things here. Um, Is it true that there is not enough minerals in our soil? Yeah. Um, Aliyah, that is a great question. because when it comes to our soil is depleted, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Our soil is very, very, very depleted. And, you know, we take minerals yeah. on a day to day basis. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll give a shout out because we absolutely love the products. Yeah. But Cellcore, Cellcore, I feel like is, you know, everyone's been talking about this company. They're not that new, but I think that they've just gotten a little bit more press lately. But something that uh, me, you, and Nick, Dr. Nick noticed yeah. is that there were very similar ingredients in all of their products. And we were like, kind of like, what's like, why? That's very bizarre that, you know, everything has fulvic acid and right. humic acid in it. And when I started to dive into it is fulvic and humic acid are super, super high in carbon. And when you look at the composition of the body is 40% of us is, um, is oxygen and then 20% is carbon, but we're all being stripped of carbon because of toxicity. But in addition is our soil. Does it, is it very nutrient dense anymore? So at this point in time, a lot of us really do have to be taking these minerals externally. And I personally have just found Cellcore to be Amazing. leading yeah. in that, in that arena and really, really, you know, I personally have just seen massive changes in my own body, which mm-hmm. has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say something about the question about pH water. Yeah. So there's definitely um, a hype around it, and I'm not going to discredit it, but um, from a 
nutritional standpoint, you don't want to be drinking pH balanced water when your body is meant to be digesting food. So you don't yeah. want to be having pH with water food. with food, pH balanced water with food, because that's not going to allow the pH balance in your stomach to properly break down what you're eating. Mm -hmm. So there are all different types of filtration systems. We love the Berkey filter mm -hmm. over here, but it doesn't always have to be pH balanced because that may actually be something doing more harm than good. Yeah. With the alkaline, we really just tell people just to try to like do it intermittently yeah. with other water yeah. because again it can definitely change P the the acid production of the stomach yeah. so you want to make sure that it's it's about balance yeah, it's really like all that it comes down to yeah if you're working out and you're grabbing a bottle of ph balanced water and you're not eating anything around the time that you're going that's fine but mm -hmm. otherwise there yeah. are other avenues to hydrate so uh valerie's asking a little bit more like specifics on blood and urine tests and i want to like I'm going to take that a step further in just a second. But, you know, obviously we've talked about a lot of different things today and we're definitely living in an epidemic of toxicity. And this is a huge issue for our nutrition. And it's a huge issue for how much nutrients we're actually getting from our food. And, you know, for us, like we are really trying to flip the switch on how healthcare is being done by number one, looking at the body integratively and not thinking we're a bunch of separate parts. But we don't guess, like we test everything. And it's not just about testing within that biochemical realm. So what I mean by that is blood test, urine test, stool sample test, saliva test, that is only looking at your biochemistry and you're ignoring other aspects of the body and you're potentially ignoring neurology, you're ignoring uh, sympathetic stress response, you're ignoring the bioenergetic system, which is meridians, which is the foundation of acupuncture. And you're you're not always getting the big picture. And this often leaves people in a place of, I feel tired, my sleep isn't great, my gut doesn't feel good, and I just feel off. And then they get their blood work back. And it's like, oh, well, everything looks good. Yeah, my doctor said I'm great. Yeah. So that's definitely something is like, it's very frustrating for people. It's also very frustrating for us because, you know, people feel disempowered. They, they, they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, what, like, where do I go right. from here? If I quote unquote healthy, like, am I crazy? Is it in my head? Like, I don't know what right. to do then. So it's really about getting better testing. And, you know, for us, like our biggest thing that we've evolved is, we actually are working from with people from all over the world right now. So I saw a shout out from someone from Australia. Yeah, too. Um, we have a couple of patients from Australia. We, we love Australians. I used to live there, by the way. Um, but it's been really cool because we have continued to leverage our approach and been able to actually create something called Home Care in a Box. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of amazing um, uh, medical equipment that help people from healing organs, helping with lymphatic drainage, yeah. helping with detox mm -hmm. that we're literally shipping to their house, yeah. which has been really, really amazing to be able to give people access, especially in the insaneness of the yeah, world right climate. now. And, you know, when it comes to the testing, it's just like, we can't say it enough. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, we didn't know. We didn't Absolutely know. Absolutely <laughs> not. And that's an entirely different level. <laughs> Literally, poor Grace, her <laughs> review of her results, like, she was just like, what is yeah. happening? She's like, but you're, everything you're saying is so right. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it was an interesting journey for the two of us, but... 
you know, we, we love that we walk the journey. So we know the struggles mm-hmm. and we know, <laughs> we know what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's the, the most important thing is we practice what we preach. We're not like sitting here, like do these things, but we don't do them. But like we said, it's about balance. Yeah. Like, we have wine together. We go out to eat and you know, we're not, we don't deprive ourselves anymore. No. Um, we, we've done, we've done things to our body to create that resiliency. And I think that that's an important takeaway. It's not about, you know, depriving yourself and just feeling like I can't, I can't, I can't. Right. And it's also giving you the tools to go into these social situations once we have them again. And to, but even family situations where you yeah. can be like, I can't eat that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then, oh, and then they like, eat you alive. Yeah. And then everyone <laughs> interrogates you. That's not an ideal situation for anyone to be in. So we're also giving you sort of a, an education mm-hmm. into how to better live within the realm of feeling good and yeah. decreasing inflammation. Well, I think the fun thing for us is that like I took all the old school Italian recipes and just made them healthier, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's the the thing that we find really fun for people. I've also written five cookbooks like a lunatic, but I only published <laughs> one. So anyway, that's a different story. Um, but you know, we really always tell people is like, you need to stop thinking that feeling like shit is your normal. Mm-hmm. You need to stop thinking that, oh, well, I don't sleep well and my stomach hurts, but it's only when I do this. And oh, I have heart palpitations, but it's only when I drink caffeine yeah. and you it's know, only because I'm getting older. Yeah. And we need to like get rid of that mindset and stop thinking like, oh, you're just doomed because your family has this or your dad had that and thyroid issues running your family. Yeah. Because there is a thing called epigenetics now and you are not doomed. It it really comes down to, are you feeding into the epigenetic or to the genetics because you're doing things on a day to day that you don't even know are bad for you. We're giving you the tools to break the mold, essentially. If that's your mindset and that's the way you were brought up to feel, then we're giving you those tools to break the mold. So don't be fooled. Stop thinking that everything looks like the textbook because listen, for those of you that just resonated with that of, Oh, you know, I have heart palpitations, but it's only when I drink caffeine. Oh, my stomach hurts, but it's only when I eat too much. And when you, when you have that, you're always rationalizing things because you're not like so sick and you don't match the textbook. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you must be fine. And all of those are just little warning signs that things are imbalanced. But we've all been programmed to think like, don't fix it until it's broke. So we wait until we have really bad symptoms. Now we're like, freak the hell out. And then we're rotating through how many doctors and we're like, oh, well, nobody knows what the heck's actually wrong with me. Well, this is fun. (laughs) So, and that kind of brings me to this. (laughs) So just so, you know, I know some of you like hopped on midway through. And again, just like understanding that we've gotten away from conventional because we are tired of everyone thinking that the body is a bunch of separate systems because when you're able to look at the body as an integration of systems, that's where you're going to see the magic happen. And that's when you have that moment and you're like, Oh my God, that makes perfect sense. Like that completely resonates with me for how I feel. Um, so it's starting to embrace this idea because I think we've gotten away from the mindset that healthcare is about answers. You should be getting answers yeah. and you should also be getting solutions. And that solution shouldn't always come in the form of a pill. Right. It should be something that actually yeah. addresses the root cause. Yeah. And that, that takes time on the part of your practitioner and yes. on your part as well. So if you're being, ri- if you feel like you're being written off, you are, you're being written off with a prescription pad and you're being written off with the lack of time. 
So going back to the testing is, I know that we mentioned how like you want to get outside the realm of just biochemical. So, you know, first and foremost, like we have created an approach because we just, we saw the voids. And number one is we wanted a bunch of experts under one roof. We want a person that comes here to have a nutritionist, to have a health coach, to have a doctor, to have the physical body expert, to have the detox expert, and to even have someone who can help with more of the human behavior, mental health side. So we've collaborated all these people under one roof. And when you're a patient here, you get access to all of those individuals. And everything is customized to you down to the DNA level. And this is really unique because yes, we look at blood work. Yes, we do stool samples and urine analysis and all these great things. But then we circle it all together with DNA testing, which reveals things that you don't see in conventional tests. So this is definitely something that is really important because this is what allows you to get better faster. Yeah, because it's, again, going back to what we said prior, is that it's things you're not putting together. Yeah. You're not putting together the relationship between mental health and the physical being. Even though you know it's there, you may not be computing your own symptoms. And so you avail- having the availability to utilize DNA-based testing is the biggest difference if you have mystery symptoms or nobody can figure out what's going on. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing is like I listed the integrative response testing last year because you know, one thing that I'm just so proud of, and we really have to like owe this to Dr. Nick, mm-hmm. is that he's helped create a technique um, through his expertise with uh, applied kinesiology and Dr. Klinghard and some people that some of you may know. Um, but we, nothing that we recommend is cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about diet and diet recommendations and how to leverage that as a tool, we're actually testing that on your DNA to figure out what diet do you need right now to help your body heal? Mm-hmm. What supplements do you need right now that are going to help your body to start feeling better? And the same thing goes for anything from a therapeutic standpoint. Um, someone was asking, like, how do we do test living in Australia? So uh, we do the DNA, by the way, is in your hair. Mm-hmm. So you send us a hair sample and we have the ability to do a variety of tests uh, down to the DNA level. But secondary to that is um, with blood work is we have uh, we work with a company called Vibrant and they have blood spot kits. So this can test for pesticides, heavy metals, um, tick-borne illness, and we ship the kit to you. You do it and then you send it back. Um, but also for like regular blood work, we actually will work with um, your naturopath or your primary and we'll give them a script. Yeah. Our experience with Australia, though, is um, you guys actually don't get access to many tests, which is okay because we get a lot of information from the DNA-based tests. So, um, so there's a lot of ways to go about it, but the DNA testing is 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 key. That's for sure. So, <laughs> doing our unique onboarding process, we obviously do this because we want to be able to get as much information as possible to really truly figure out what the heck's going on. But secondary to that is we want to make sure that you can start getting better in the shortest amount of time. Um, most of the people that have come here. They've already wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to be super efficient. <laughs> but um, if you guys want to hop on a strategy call and talk to our team and talk more about the logistics of our testing, home care in a box, how we infiltrate nutrition mm-hmm. into our programs, 
You can access the link at any time, obviously on our site. Um, you know, we love what you we do. If you yeah, can't tell, yeah, yeah. the best part is when I get on an initial consult and I say, I like to talk to you before you talk to Dr. Cole, before you talk to Dr. Nick, because yeah. this cre- we are allowed to create a narrative. Like we yeah. are taking so much time because we want to get to the root cause of your symptoms and you're talking to so many of us yeah. and we're all talking to each other about you. Case management, yeah. which so, is like unheard of. Exactly. So yeah. there's a big difference and you can learn more about that by hopping on a strategy call uh, with our client services team. Yeah. And listen, we know we are not a fit for everyone. Mm-hmm. As for everyone is not a fit for us. So, you know, that's another reason we do the strategy call is you're able to really you know, figure out, you know, how the whole process works. And if it resonates with you, then, you know, we are, we are here every step of the way we go above and beyond. We love our patients and, you know, we really thrive on seeing results and, uh, we get results (laughs) not to be like totally cocky, but you know, we, we've uh, been working pretty hard at this for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So we already touched on I know this. we touched on this. The long distance, like I said, is you have DNA in your hair. So we can work with people from anywhere, but it is going to be a grocery cheat sheet and a superfood checklist. It's bit.ly backslash IWG nutrition. Our website is integrativewellnessgroup.com. Um, so check that out for sure so that you guys can access more information to understand how we clinically approach um, some of these different conditions. Yeah. But I hope that you enjoyed it. I know this is a lot of information, but you know, we really hope that you're able to take away some tips and implement it right away. And, you know, we do this and this is really an educational experience, Definitely, but I'll say the people that come through our doors, it's, that's where the breakthrough experience yeah. really happens. And when they have that moment, they're like, holy crap, how did you know all of that? Like, let's do it. Yeah. It makes um, a big difference. It does. And, uh, you know, we definitely hope that you hop on the call, check out our webinars, listen to the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to be doing more in 2021 as well. Yeah. So stay tuned to integrative wellness radio. Yes. We have a a lot of cool things coming. Uh, All right, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I hope you had fun. We did. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) As usual. We'll talk to you all soon. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. We thank you for being a listener and subscriber to Integrative Wellness Radio. If you're looking to learn more about Integrative Wellness Group, as well as Dr. Nick or Dr. Nicole, you can check out integrativewellnessgroup.com.